The Good Neighbor Network, FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and online at WGNSRadio.com. This is the WGNS Action Line, talking with Rutherford County newsmakers about what matters most to you. Now your host, Scott Walker. Well, today is Monday. It is January the 29th. And today on WGNS, we are joined by Ascision St. Thomas Rutherford Hospital Dr. Joseph Sharp. And uh, to, this morning, we're going to talk about something called SAD, Seasonal Affective Disorder, which can be treated. So with more, here is Dr. Sharp. Dr. Sharp, how are you this morning? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. So tell us a little bit more about what has come to be known as SAD. Yeah, so Seasonal Affective Disorder is... Um are symptoms of depression that really strike during the winter months, January and February being the worst of those. Uh, it has to deal with the lack of direct sunlight, kind of like a day like today where it's very gray and blue and kind of dark. Some people are more sensitive to that, and they develop full-blown symptoms of depression, um, which are actually seasonal affective disorder. So these, uh, these problems with depression or how it presents itself as depression, this happens fairly often, it sounds like, and it sounds like there's been a lot of studies done on it. There have been a lot of studies, and it is a real phenomenon, and it happens in about 5% of people here in the United States. So it's pretty common, and the symptoms can include fatigue, uh, change of appetite, loss of energy, irritability, tearfulness, sadness, or even hopelessness. So the, the, kind of, the symptoms that you might typically associate with depression but are really triggered with the lack of direct sunlight. And this lack of direct sunlight, I, I'm, you know, it's, it's caused by not only shorter days and everything, but it's also caused, I'm sure, because folks just don't want to go outside in the cold, and that also has an impact on people. That is true, it's not, and it's not just that. It's the really dark, cloudy days when we do not have any direct sun exposure, and that can happen for a week at a time, maybe two weeks at a time. And again, some people are just more sensitive to that lack of direct sunshine. Days like today, kind of. Days like today, exactly, <laughs> perfect example. So what, what things can be done to kind of turn this around? Well, it's a great question, and... First of all, it is recognizing that there is an issue. And just because you've never had an issue with lack of sunshine before doesn't mean that you'll always feel that way. So just keeping in tune with your own sort of emotional health, and that includes listening to those around you that are maybe concerned about how, you're been, how you've been behaving. But, you know, other things include exercise, a really key imp- uh, component to healthy mental health is a regular exercise regimen, which often can fall by the wayside when the weather gets cold and dark and wet and people do not want to get outside. Other modalities of treatment would include talk therapy uh, and, in, and also pharmacotherapy, uh, even having to take a medication. But other non-pharmacologic interventions would be light therapy. 
And that is a very easy uh, intervention that can be done without a prescription. And that is purchasing a light box with some specific parameters, which I can give you, and exposing your eyes to this uh, particular wavelength of light over a particular time of, uh, of day uh, every day. And that actually can be a good defense against seasonal affective disorder. So things that sap your energy away from you and make you feel worn down and tired, that, you know, that would be, that feeling would be a, a symptom of this altogether. And that's something to look out for that we definitely can look out for in ourselves. Absolutely. And a good point that I think that you're illustrating is, you know, we all can feel tired or down occasionally um, or have a bad day, but it's when this develops into a pattern and specifically a pattern that becomes where it starts to negatively impact your life or others start to notice it. So it's not just a bad day, it's a bad seven to ten days, you know, of that fatigue, irritability, maybe difficulty sleeping, uh, increased appetite, it all kind of goes together. You know, things like fatigue, that happens to be a symptom of so many other problems out there. So I think that's one of those symptoms that can kind of scare somebody when they start to have it. It's true. And like I said, it can be associated with a lot of other different things. But it's when it becomes a pattern or happening regularly for really not a good reason. That's when it's it's good to pay attention to yourself and to realize, okay, well, maybe there's something else going on here. And then check in about these other symptoms, including, you know, irritability, um, whether you're, you know, engaged in life. You know, I frequently ask people, you know, are you living or are you just, you know, existing? Those are uh, a very distinct difference, but a very important difference. Again with us today, Dr. Joseph Sharp, and talking about SAD or seasonal affective disorder. And uh, this is something that first of all, can be treated. So let's say, for example, you wake up in the morning and shortly after having that first cup or two of coffee, you already feel worn out again. I, I mean, is that is that a common symptom? That can be uh, one of the ways that it presents. And uh, fatigue is one of the, the commonalities of seasonal affective disorder. But uh, as I had mentioned earlier, um, a, a light Box or using light box therapy is a good defense um, against that. And I uh, can give you the parameters now of what to look for, but it is a, a light box that has a particular wavelength of light, which is 10,000 lux, L-U-X. And if you get this light box and you have it shining on your face for about 15 to 20 minutes a day in the morning when you wake up, you're having your coffee and checking your email, you're having this light shine on you, it really can boost your energy for the day, your, your cognitive abilities through the day, and it can actually help your sleep that night by setting your circadian rhythm. So um, it's a very simple, easy intervention that has uh, a lot of good data to support its efficacy and use. You know, in talking about this, I cannot imagine living in some of some of the areas in Alaska where, where right. you have 24 hours of, of daylight or 24 hours of darkness certain times of the year. Yeah, that, that, I feel the same, and there are actually higher uh, rates of uh, depression and certainly seasonal affective uh, disorder in, in those areas. 
and light therapy is is used uh, a tremendous amount uh, in, in those uh, those parts of the country. Now, recognizing depression in ourselves can be tricky at times, especially if we live alone. But I'm sure there are little things, little quizzes you can take on your own to kind of figure out, you know, hey, is this depression I'm, I'm going through? What what is this? Right. Um, there, there's actually an online uh, test that you can take. It's a nine-question uh, patient answer, um, self-administered exam, and it's called the PHQ-9. <clears throat> and it's a very simple, easy test. I actually use it in my clinic. Um, and it can give you an idea of, oh, gosh, is this really something like depression or am I just having a bad day? Yeah, that, that's a good question. Is it full-blown depression or is it just a bad day? And, uh, you know, I, I guess looking back and trying to figure out, well, what led up to this, what happened over the last couple of months, um, that can give you deeper insight into if this is something that's ongoing and bigger than just because of the season or if it's something that is simply because of the season. And absolutely, there are multiple features that sort of play into, obviously, our mood and, and how we interact with our environment. So it kind of goes back to, is it a pattern? Has it developed into something that is day in and day out? And is it negatively impacting your life? In other words, you know, do you feel like you can maybe enjoy the, the good times a little bit less because you're so dragged down by the other times? <clears throat> and that's when it kind of starts to take on a life of its own. And I was reading a little bit online before this show, and one of the things that you may notice is experiencing changes in your eating habit, and you may have more cravings to certain foods. And, you know, you hear about people craving carbohydrates, and you don't think much of it until you start reading more about how that may be tied directly to depression or, or sad. That's true, and there are certain cravings that, that people can get uh, in states of depression and whether that is causing an increase or decrease in appetite. Uh, carbohydrates are, are one of those things. Uh, sugars are another one of those things. And this opens up a whole other uh, conversation about the foods that we put in our body and that the, the brain-gut connection. Uh, our microbiome is a very u- unique part of our body and there are good bacteria and bad bacteria but in states of depression or seasonal affective disorder, you know, we can resort to comfort eating, uh, as you've heard, and that may uh, not be the best for our microbiome or our overall weight, which then can further contribute to depressive symptoms. And then when it comes to work, you know, let's say you get to work and you realize that you're having a really hard time concentrating on whatever it is you're trying to get finished. Uh, those, you know, things like that could be a sign of some type of depression, too. Absolutely. And what you've just described is a term called presenteeism, where, you know, you show up, your body there is there at work, but you know, the lights are on, but nobody's home, and you're not as productive as you should be. And yes, you're checking the boxes, but you are kind of going on fumes. And that's a very common uh, phenomenon uh, that we'll see with uh, chronic depression or seasonal affective disorder. So in somebody who does not seek the proper treatment and they go through 
these different things that they're experiencing once, let's say, summer hits or, you know, once the season starts to really change, will they kind of lift up out of this mood on their own? Most people will, and they will eventually pull out of that um, because, you know, they'll, they'll be exposed to more sunshine, they'll be outdoors more, hopefully they'll be exercising more, and hopefully it is not developed into a, into a full major depressive disorder. Now, there will be a small subset of people that, it, again, it sort of develops a life of its own, and even when the sunshine comes back, they are still stuck in the doldrums. So can making simple changes bring you out of these different feelings? Making simple changes are, are really the beginning to uh, changing how, how we feel. And my hope would be that, yes, with many of these small changes, you can sort of direct the, the path that your, your mood will eventually take. And occasionally, you know, stronger um, ways of treating that have to be implemented and i'm guessing that sometimes you know this this problem of depression may be a little deeper seated than what we may imagine and in those cases i guess making changes is a must but maybe even going to your boss and saying hey you know i want to be taken off of this and placed on this this is really bringing me down or uh changing in what time you go to bed i mean there's just all sorts of little changes you can make to kind of tweak your schedule and tweak the things around you that is that is absolutely true uh but the other thing when it starts to get very dark or serious that's that is when it is time to talk to your boss or hr to take a mental health day, to seek a mental health professional, really to help flesh out, to see, you know, what is going on, because early intervention really is the key to treating any, you know, medical disorder, but including uh, depression, and it's a lot more um, easy to do. So, you know, sometimes it's not as easy as just pulling yourself up by your bootstraps, that you really got to, you know, seek help. You know, I, I've noticed in America, it seems like so many people take time off of work only to accomplish more work, only to accomplish more things to get done. And we don't really spend the time, you know, helping ourselves by by taking a real, you know, needed vacation versus taking time off to get things done. Mm-hmm. No, that is absolutely true. It is a balance, what you're talking about. And it's... Um, <clears throat> setting you know, good boundaries, and they're really just four simple points to sort of maintaining a healthy sort of mental uh, health life, which is maintaining regular exercise, maintaining a healthy sleep schedule, and monitoring your sleep. You cannot chronically be sleep-deprived. Uh, monitoring the food that goes into your body, eating a wide variety, and not overindulging, and you know, avoiding certain foods such as uh, carbohydrates as much as possible or sugars. And then lastly, rest and relaxation and socialization. That's a really important part of our uh, mental health and you know, recharging those batteries. A lot of people wear sleep deprivation almost as uh, an award around their neck. You know, they, they tend to say, you know, I get four hours of sleep a night and I seem to yeah. do fine. But deep down, they're probably not doing as perfect as they think they are. No, uh, sleep is a real reflection of what's going on in the rest of your life, and being chronically sleep-deprived uh, certainly makes you more 
vulnerable to illness um, or getting a, a, a cold or a sickness or a viral illness, it, it makes you um, more prone to you know, emotional difficulties such as seasonal affective or even depression or anxiety. So it is pretty important to uh, maintain good sleep hygiene or sleep habits. Now, going back to what you were saying about when it becomes a problem, when this depression sets in and becomes a problem bigger than what we can solve on our own, what signs do we need to look out for for that? Well, one of the things is when other people start to notice these changes in us that maybe we don't see, whether it's our, our friend, our spouse, uh, a parent or a child, um, also whether these changes are causing what we call psychosocial distress in the rest of your life, um, meaning you know you're you're actually changing your plans. You know you're not engaging. You are in, in, instead withdrawing or even isolating. Those are the kind of warning signs that we look for. And, and some of us, just by nature, may not be people who routinely mix and mingle with large groups of people or uh, lots of people in general. Um, so is it harder to spot, you know, hey, there's something more going on to this than, than what we thought uh, whenever it is somebody who, who doesn't get out and get involved with a lot of folks? Sometimes those are the folks that do sort of slip through the cracks. But with our, you know, uh, electronic age, you know, there are always ways of having, you know, Zoom check-ins or, you know, telephone calls. And, and even that, you know, counts to a certain degree for, you know, interaction and socialization. So, you know, if, if they're not even making those calls or, you know, Zoom meetings or whatnot, again, it's another warning sign that maybe, you know, something could be brewing. Now, exercise, that, that's one of those ingredients to good health all the way around. But also, I, I like how you highlighted that it's also something that you need to be doing in order to just feel good mentally. Yeah. So, so that being said, a simple walk, maybe one or two miles each day or every other day, would that help? So that is a great start. And I would put that in the category of activity. Um, exercise really should be challenging, but doable. And I do love to walk, uh, and I'll love to walk, you know, one or two miles. Is that challenging? Um, not necessarily. Now, if it was a really steep hill or I was wearing, you know, a weighted vest, then yes, that could be, you know, challenging. So, again, you've got to meet exercise where you are or what level, you know, you can sort of step up to. But any kind of movement and, you know, just walking one or two miles is a great great start what about anxiety i hear that word anxiety a lot these days i even see it on social media a lot but what is true anxiety oh gosh that's a whole nother can of worms anxiety that that uh these are additional symptoms that uh usually are manifested by you know excessive worry muscle tension irritability maybe daytime fatigue so you see there's some crossover with you know depression or seasonal affective disorder and there is a, a large subset of people that you know, suffer from chronic, you know, low-line levels of anxiety. And again, exercise is nature's anxiolytic or anxiety-reducing thing that we can do. So 
Uh, I hate to keep going back to exercise, but it has so many positive benefits, uh, and I do exercise uh, because of those benefits. It sounds like exercise is huge for sure. Uh, again with us this morning from Ascension St. Thomas Rutherford and uh, uh, St. Thomas in general, you serve, I believe, several areas, but Dr. Joseph Sharp with us this morning. If somebody needs to get help, if somebody wants to get help for this, what should they do first? I think the first thing would be to reach out to their primary care physician uh, who will have a list of resources uh, for them to go to. Uh, I think maybe it could be as simple as talk therapy or cognitive behavioral therapy or supportive psychotherapy. Those are great first starts. Occasionally, there are more emergent needs, and that is when someone really feels like they are at the end of their rope and there, there's, there's no you know, way out. If those, those people really would need to dial 911 or just simply go to your closest emergency room where you know, we could certainly make sure that there's, there's no, no underlying medical issue going on, and then we can get that person streamlined uh, to the care that they need as quickly as possible. If someone is determined to need some type of medicine to start feeling better, I know that word medicine in general scares people, but should there be a fear associated with that when it comes to depression? No, and, and medicines are just one small part of the treatment for uh, depression. It's just a tool in the tool bag, and they are certainly uh, a, a good tool, but they're not the end all. Um, and the, the way that these medicines work they just help someone's brain use its own natural chemicals more effectively, okay? So, you know, a common misnomer is that an antidepressant is going to make you happy, and that's, that's not what they do. Um, it, it's kind of analogous to just putting fuel treatment in your car. It just helps your car run better on what it's supposed to run on. It doesn't change anything about your car. So the same with antidepressants. They are just simply a tool that can help your brain use its own natural chemicals more effectively, which then in turn could help your mood and or anxiety. And, and again, the, the first step in uh, you know trying to figure out what road to go down would be talking to your primary care physician and just saying, you know, this is what I've been feeling lately. I don't know what to do next. Uh-huh. And, uh, absolutely. And or even leaving a message with the the nurse at the, the primary care physician office. Um, there is an online uh, resource for therapists and for psychiatrists called psychologytoday.com where you can put in your zip code um, you know, if, if you wanted to go that route. But certainly just reaching out and it just it starts with a conversation. Sounds good. Again, Dr. Joseph Sharp joining us this morning and uh, thank you very much for joining us today. Well, thank you for having me. Definitely so. Again, the time right now, 840. Again, that was Dr. Joseph Sharp, Ascision St. Thomas. Uh, and we'll, I'm sure, hear more from him in the near future again. Uh, because depression is something that we definitely need to kind of keep a tab on and uh, learn more about in the future. Time right now, 840. Stay with us. We do have more news and information coming up. The Action Line on FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. Hi, this is Dan Mitchell from Music World and Drummer's Den. We have a larger selection than any of the other big box stores. 
much better prices. Uh, selection is wonderful from keyboards, drums, guitars, ukuleles are big this year. We also have lighting. This is Dan Mitchell from Music World and Drummer's Den. You come down and look around. We have what you need. The Music World and Drummer's Den is located at 2762 South Church Street, right across from Indian Hills Golf Course. As cold and flu season approaches, one of the best things that you can do to give somebody who is sick is a quart of Demas's chicken and rice soup. This is Peter Demas with Demas Family of Restaurants. This soup is my grandmother's recipe, and we have used this soup in order to help our family whenever we are sick. Just gives us a good comfort feeling. One of the things that you can also do is you can now ship that soup anywhere across the United States, and you can order that soup online at demasfamilykitchen.com. If you're looking for an authentic relationship with financial experts who genuinely care about your unique needs, Capstar Bank is for you. Capstar Bank is dedicated to the people of this community. Capstar Bank wants to help you reach your financial goals. Because at Capstar Bank, you matter to us. Capstar Bank, 2230 Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard, capstarbank.com, member FDIC, equal housing lender. The Action Line on FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. And now in studio with us, we have Zane Cantrell from the Rutherford County Beekeepers Association. How are you this morning? I'm great, and good morning, Murfreesboro and Rutherford County. So bees, what is the main season for beekeeping? Right now is the ideal time for people to that want to get involved in beekeeping to do so. Now is the time. I'm often asked uh, by many people, what should I do? How should I get started in beekeeping? Right now in January is the time. And I always suggest to uh, a person who wants to get into beekeeping to uh, first start coming to the Rutherford Beekeepers Association meetings. And they are always at the Lane Ag Center, the first Monday of the month at 7 o'clock. Now, next Monday will be our first meeting of the year. If you look back, January the 1st was a holiday and Ag Center was closed. So this will be our first meeting of the year. And I'll point out to anyone who's really interested in it, we will be teaching, or I say we, uh, Keith Elrod, our president, will be teaching a beginning class, beginning uh, probably early uh, in uh, uh, next month. So if you really want to get into it, now's the time to do that. You need to come and sign up for it and get involved in beekeeping that way. And also, if you look back to the south of us, Florida, South Georgia, they are starting right now to package bees to send those to people who have ordered them. And this is a good time for a person who doesn't have any bees to go ahead and put an order into them. Now, it'll be the probably the 1st of April before those bees get here, but you've got to order them ahead of time because there are a lot of people that are ordering bees right now. To do your own beekeeping here locally, you actually order your first group of bees to come in. Yes, they come in a package. They, you can get them delivered several different ways. I used to get them at the post office, 
and as soon as they come into the local post office, buddy, they get on the phone and they call you. Hey, come get these bees. They're buzzing over here. <laughs> it's kind of uh, shocking to hear a package coming in of bees, and they're all buzzing, and they're afraid they'll get out of there. So that's one way they get in. And you, you get you get them uh, several times. Uh, uh, people who are hired to do that, they they deliver them uh, very close to here, or there are uh, beekeeping organizations who have those coming in. But you have to order them ahead of time, and now's the time to to do that. Now bees, are, uh, every year that I've uh, I, buy, I try to buy a few packages every year myself, and uh, they the price of them keeps going up. The uh, a four four pound package of bees right now is probably going to run you between 140 and 150 dollars now that sounds like a lot of money but i would point out to you those bees are going to last several years and they will divide and you'll have more than uh, one package out of that and uh, so it, it really if you take care of them and manage them correctly then you've got bees for the rest of your life that you want to uh, be, or the rest of the time that you'd want to be keep beekeeping. I had no idea you could order bees and <laughs> yes. buy the pound. <laughs> yes, I, I I order a few. I, I like to keep new stock every year, so I order a few every year myself. Uh, I'm running about ten or fifteen hives of bees myself. It's it's a hobby. I'm call I'm a hobbyist beekeeper. I've been beekeeping for a long, long time. Been working with it for a long, long time. So, to me, it's a hobby, and I'm a hobbyist beekeeper, and that's why I order a few every year. So, uh, beekeeping is that an expensive hobby overall? Well, it's no. It's certainly not as expensive as uh, golfing. <laughs> I bet <laughs> a lot cheaper. Yeah, and it's something that you have with you all of the time. You go out there and work your bees, and you're off in a different world, and it's really relaxing. You've got to love it if you really want to get into it. And, you know, it's a re they're remarkable little creatures, bees are. And once you get into it, you'll learn that very quickly. So some of the benefits of making your local honey and, and using local honey are what? Because I've heard all different types of tales. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm glad you asked that. And that's a great question. Um, let me point out to you, recently on Good Morning America, they always have reports of, of things that are uh, research that's going on. Uh, they brought in a very renowned physician, doctor, surgeon and uh, they're talking about this cat cough that people get or lingering cough well if you look at the cough medicines whether you get it from the pharmacist or uh, a drugstore on the on the counter it's got honey in it now you notice they have medical grade honey that's in it and the, this doctor one of the treatments that he was talking about for that cough is to use honey, regular, unadulterated uh, wild honey that you would get from a from a beekeeper, a local beekeeper, and uh, he he said that the research that he's gone through shows that it's probably better for you to use that honey, local honey, for that cough, like a tablespoon or a teaspoonful but I would caution one thing about that and they didn't mention this if you're a diabetic 
always check with your doctor before you take any kind of substance like that sweet. But outside of that, those of us who don't are just uh, looking for a way to help that cough, try honey, and that's that's really a, a good uh, treatment for it. And that we have research now that shows that, and more and more doctors are realizing it and telling people, look, go out here and get you some local honey, but make sure it is raw local honey, and perf preferably within 10 to 15 miles of where you live. You'll get a better response for it than getting some of this cold medicine that makes you drowsy and sleepy. So if you don't raise, you know, local bees, you're not a beekeeper, where do you find local honey from? Well, there's several places around that uh, that you can, you, you know, you can go to almost any grocery store. Now, I'm not advocating that you do that. You can uh, call beekeepers like myself, Tom Hartley, and there are a bunch of other beekeepers around that uh, have honey for sale. Uh, we sell a little bit. Uh, usually it doesn't last very long. Uh, I sell out within a matter of two or three weeks. And uh, always uh, in uh, June and July, I'll have honey for sale. And it is raw honey. It uh, doesn't have any other substance in it. It's pure nectar honey. So you know, and it's good to know who your beekeeper is, not just a vendor somebody that buys it cheap somewhere and tries to resell it or does resell it it's better i think to get it from a local beekeeper and and you can look on the uh, website of lane ag center it'll have a listing of all of the beekeepers in rutherford county and so and it'll have a telephone number for each one of them so you can get on the phone and call them and it's going to be hard to find any bee any honey this time of the year most of it's gone have there been years or seasons where the bees would make less honey yes they are depending on how much nectar there is out there now when the temperature like now Right now, in, in, in this, coming up in February, the temperature gets up about 60 degrees. The bees come out, and they start looking for blooms that are, are, are things that are blooming. And uh, they're looking for nectar. Unfortunately, there's not a nectar of this time of the year. But next month, there will be some nectar out there, and they will start packing it in. And they, they use that nectar... Uh, from the flowers that are blooming to make their honey. They, they put other substances with it and, uh, it, and that's why it is so healthy. Uh, it's, it's a very healthy product. Again, Zane Cantrell in studio with us this morning talking about beekeeping, and uh, he is a hobbyist beekeeper. And once more here in Rutherford County, if anybody is interested in starting this hobby of beekeeping, they need to be at the Lane Agro Park on the first Monday of February. And, and that goes, what, every Monday? Yeah, it goes every Monday, uh, every uh, first Monday of the month. Every first Monday of the month, we have our meeting. And I might uh, also point out, uh, if you're interested in signing up for a beginner's bee, uh, beekeeping class, this is the time to do it. Come to our first meeting in February and uh, see Keith Elrod or Robin Elrod 
and they will uh, help you to get signed up for that beekeeping class. And it really will help you to manage your bees and keep them alive and make sure that they have the nutrients and the uh, whatever they need to survive. And they, they do an outstanding job in their uh, be, beginning beekeeping. And I might also mention, not only does the Rutherford County Beekeepers Association meet here, we have a fall conference here at MTSU. Beeke Tennessee Beekeepers Association will be here. There will be hundreds of beekeepers from all over the state of Tennessee, and that occurs in October. And we'll talk more about that as you invite me in to talk about bees. <laughs> Now, wild wild bees, do you have to buy your bees ahead of time, or can you literally have wild bees on your property that you use in your beekeeping? No, you can't. Uh, we have fewer and fewer what we call uh, wild bees anymore. They're just not out there. Uh, there there's too much uh, going on. They're too hard to raise on their own. They just need management anymore. You'll find a few beekeeping bees out there, or bee bees, uh, in, a, in the trees or in the logs, uh, but it, it's very few of those anymore. Now, I do get some calls from time to time, uh, especially in April, May, and June, that somebody has a uh, has bees showing up in their backyard on a limb or in the tree, then they call me and I'll go over and get them. Uh, and and uh, we do have that. We call those swarms of bees. Now also we have bees that end up in people's houses. <laughs> they get into the walls and and that's another difficult things now i don't work on that type of thing sometimes it takes a week or so to get them out of a house and that there are people who specialize in doing that and you have to have specialized equipment to do it so, so when you get a swarm of bees from the exterior of somebody's house can you work those into your beekeeping yes you do and what you do usually uh, what you want to do anytime you get a swarm of bees, regardless of where they come from, you want to isolate them. Don't put them in with, your, with the bees that you already have. You put them in a separate place. And the reason for that is you don't know if they have viruses. You don't, it's, it's interesting. It's like human beings. You don't know if, if I've got a virus or something. So you, you have to be careful with also with bees. They may have a virus. They may be something that you need to uh, keep them isolated to make sure they are healthy bees. And so that's when I go and pick up a pack, pick up a swarm, regardless of where it is, I always isolate them, have them out by themselves and make sure that they are healthy bees. So can you send a bee off for testing? I mean, how do you know if a bee is healthy or not? Well, one by observation is the biggest thing. Yes, you can send them off. You can send them to the Tennessee Department of Agriculture, and there's a way to do that. And uh, in the beginning beekeepers class, they will teach you how to do that. And you do take part of your bees, and you have to put alcohol substance in them, maybe 30 or 40 bees, 
and you can send them off and they can tell you if, if they have viruses or if they have something that needs to be treated. And, but most of the way, what I do is I observe them. I've been doing this for a long time, and I can tell by observing my bees whether they have, uh, uh, have some kind of condition that uh, I wouldn't want them into my main uh, bunch of hives. Interesting. I, I didn't know all these different facets to beekeeping, <laughs> uh, but these are things that people can learn about by being at one of those monthly meetings on the first Monday of each month at the Lane Agri-Park. Agri yes, and we, we have a complete program every month, and we talk about things that are relevant for that month for the bees. So it, you're right. It, you know, when you start looking at bees and studying bees, they are, it, it's remarkable. Uh, we don't really realize that until we get into it. Uh, bees are, uh, you know, they are the only uh, critter that makes enough of the good stuff for them and for humans. <laughs> Interesting. And the produce that they have is is unique in the substance that it is. It's very unique. It has a lot of properties to it that are very helpful. And uh, it's probably one of the few critters that really do that outside of cows. <laughs> <laughs> Again, Zane Cantrell with us. And we're already running out of time this morning. But as we close, what would you say to those listening? This is if you're really interested in getting into beekeeping, now is the time to do that. It'll be a lot easier for you. You will have a chance to get into a, a class that will teach you the things that you need to know to manage your bees, to keep them alive and keep them healthy and have them producing good honey for you for a long, long time. So we hope to see you next Monday at uh, 7 o'clock at the Lane Ag Center. Sounds good. That's at 7 p.m. at the Lane Ag Center on John R. Rice Boulevard here in Murfreesboro. Again, that's this coming Monday, 7 p.m. And uh, Zane, thanks for joining us. Thank you for asking. At time right now, 9 o'clock, you're listening to WGNS Murfreesboro. And local news is next with WGNS's Ron Jordan.